0: Is this for real? Like, are these people really this awesome and this cool? And how could they be so open? Welcoming. And welcoming. We felt like we were part of one of the most authentic group of people we have ever met. So in 2020, when the pandemic started, we were pretty heavily involved with our church back home. But unfortunately, it shut down. And um, we were looking for something for our kids. I went online and I googled... um, kids' programs or any kind of resources that are available for us parents. Kids' codes at home somehow popped up. We experienced the kids' service online for the first time, and it was love at first sight for the kids. We start watching the adult service. We fell in love with it. We just both knew we felt like we wanted more. I went on the group website and kind of just scrolled to see what options are out there. Uh, sent out a couple of emails and our email was a little bit awkward and weird because we said, hey, we're strangers. We would like to kind of come into your living room through a computer via Zoom. Would you be open to that? Because we are going to relocate and we'd love to start making connections.
1: It's always intimidating to join a group and especially for us joining through Zoom in someone else's living room. We had pretty low expectations.
0: Our group actually decided to invite us to go camping with them. We don't do camping, so we were very hesitant. And needless to say, we have never met these people in person. So there was a little bit of hesitancy to, like, okay, like, they've been great over the computer, but now we're going to spend the whole weekend with them in the woods. It really felt like we've known them forever. You know, it felt like we're coming home to the family that we... Now couldn't bring with us. God has the right group of people for you. It's just a matter of you taking the steps to go.
1: Uh, being a part of, you know, a community of men who love Jesus and love their families, love spending time with their families means a lot because that's what I'm trying to replicate and, and and do as well.
0: Do not do life alone. Like it's so much better in community. And I know it can be scary and it can be intimidating, but sometimes you gotta do the crazy thing and make that first step.
1: How great is that? Hey, listen, uh, the minds actually are here in the service today. And here's what I was thinking about watching that video. They got connected to a small group while living in Washington, D.C. They liked their small group so much that they moved to Charleston and are now a part of our church and community. Uh, it's a big church. Uh, if you look around in the room we're in right now, there are a ton of people. But if they can get connected from DC, you can get connected right here in the room, right? So get connected here at Seacoast. There are potential lifelong friends sitting in the room with you. If you'll just be a little bit intentional with that, uh, it will change your worship experience entirely. And so it's Connect Weekend. We've got stuff going on in the foyers at all of our campuses. Uh, we've got opportunities galore for you to get connected. We would love to see you experience. That kind of community. So, welcome. My name is Josh Terat. I'm glad that you guys are here. I serve as a lead pastor. I want to welcome all of you in the room. I want to welcome all of you who are joining us at one of our campuses or maybe online as well. I heard Asheville had to dig out some snow in order to do church today, and so uh, that's amazing. Really wanted to give a shout out though to our Somerville campus. I mentioned this really about a year and a half ago. We had vision that we wanted to use our facilities for the betterment of our community. We've always wanted to do that for the betterment of our our communities, uh, but specifically in the area of a warming shelter. And so this year, our Somerville campus is not only opened up as a warming shelter when it gets cold below freezing at night. So tonight it will be used as a warming shelter. But because of y'all's generosity, we actually bought uh, shower trailers. And so people can not only get a warm place to sleep, but a warm shower. And so shout out to the Somerville campus and all of you who serve up there. So cool to be able to serve our community in that way. Read a story this week about something that happened in 2019. An unidentified elderly woman who lived in France was getting ready to move into a retirement home. And so she and her family decided to bring an appraiser in to the home. She was in her 90s uh, to just evaluate the contents of her home and give an appraisal so they could do an estate sale. Well, the appraiser comes in, starts looking around the house and very quickly notices a painting that is hanging above her stove in the kitchen. And they say, well, what's up with that painting? And she says, well, it's just another old religious uh, deal. And it's been there for 50 years, uh, which I would think she would read that great once or twice in 50 years. But she had left it there the entire time. I have a picture of the painting. It's, it's a painting called Christ Mocked, and it's. Ends up that it was from the 13th century, the long lost work of a Florentine artist named Simabwe. I'm sure I got that wrong. Well, the appraiser says, I think there's some value to that. And so they they take this thing and they get it looked at. They discover what it is. They take it to an auction and the painting sold for $26.8 million dollars. Can you imagine? Some of y'all have put on a winter jacket for the first time and found a 20. You know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah, (laughs) 26.8 million dollars. And guess what? For 50 years, it sat above her stove, accumulated some grease stains, probably. She she didn't get to experience any of the benefits of the 26.8 million dollar painting. Why? Because she underestimated the value of the painting. And guess what? Two months after the auction, she died. Can you imagine having something of that much value in your home or at your fingertips or at your disposal, but not being able to access it because you underestimated the value of what you had? Here's what I would propose to you today. We all have something, and if you don't have it, you'll have access to it by the end of our time together this morning, to something that is of great value to you, but only if you use it. And so I've titled the message today, Don't Leave It in the Kitchen. Turn to your neighbor. Tell him, don't leave it in the kitchen. Don't leave it in the kitchen. We're, we're in a series of conversations to kick off the year that we're calling The Power of routine. The power of routine, and here's the idea, and you guys all know this. It's not a flashy title. We all set goals. We all have high hopes and high dreams, but part of the reason why most of us still want to lose the same weight that we wanted to lose last year at this time is because our life doesn't follow in the direction of our goals. Our life follows in the direction of our routines and our habits. You, you, you may want your marriage to be different a year from now. But if if you don't change some habits in your marriage, it's going to probably end up more of the same. And we all know that. We all get that. And so what we want to do in this series is help you discover some habits. And they're not new habits, by the way. Jeremiah 616 talks about that. It says, look at the crossroads, look around, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. That there are some old, ancient pathways that are very, very valuable in our lives, but not if we leave them in the kitchen. We actually have to use them. And today, I want to talk to you about a habit, a routine that involves the Word of God, the Bible, that we all have some form of access to. And I get it. Some of us struggle with how to understand the Bible, and it's a very big collection of of, of, of letters and it can be difficult. And I, I'm hoping to help you understand that, that there is value that you are not tapping into in this book. And we're going to, we're going to not leave it in the kitchen. We're, I, I want to serve today basically as an appraiser for you. I want to help you understand the value that you have and help you experience it because nobody, nobody wants to, Nobody wants to die two months after you get $26.8 million, right? You know what I'm saying? Like we want to we want to buy some things with that. We want to use that for the betterment of our family. And so what I want to do is show you three different, uh, really think of it as, as your pastor pleading with you to not underestimate some different aspects of God's word. The first thought for us is don't underestimate its power. Don't underestimate the power of God's word. Now, now the Bible is, is not powerful in and of itself. That word actually is a, a Greek word. It's like la Biblica or something like that. Adam Martin knows it, I'm sure. But, um, but, but it just basically means a book or a collection of books. But when I open up my Bible, the, the first thing it says is, is not this Bible presented to, but this holy Bible. That's what makes this book different than any other book. It's, it's actually set apart, and it's, it's powerful. There is power in this book. Look at Hebrews 4 and verse 12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. I love that. This is alive. That means I can read something today, and, and it can apply to an area of my life. I could read it a month from now, and it may apply to a totally different area of my life. I'm not saying it changes. It doesn't. The Bible will never mean what it didn't mean initially. And so it's important for us to understand what did it mean so we can figure out what does it mean for us today. But, but the fact that it's alive means that God's spirit can connect dots from this word to my life today in ways that no other book can do. It's alive. It's living and active. One person's excited about that. I think we should all be excited about that. That's great. <clears throat> Sharper than any double edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This book is so powerful. It's not just another book. I remember when I first realized the power of God's word. I had been a follower of Christ for just a couple of years, and I got over to a friend's house. We were spending the night over there, and we watched a movie together. The movie was called Les Mis. Um, and it's like this old French movie, and it was, it was fine. I, I fell asleep during the movie, which my wife would attest happens for every movie that we watch, which is okay. But, but something happened that night. I woke up a couple of hours later in my friend's home in, in like a panic, like a cold sweat. My, my, my palms were sweating. My heart was racing. And I just felt this presence in the room. I don't know if you've ever experienced Something like that. Some of y'all are going to think I'm crazy, and you're probably right. But I just had this. There was just this presence. It was like an evil, demonic presence in the room, and I was like, I, I don't know what to do. It gripped me in fear, and so I, be, I began to pray and like, God, would you take this away from me? And and nothing happened. Nothing changed. And so I finally decided I have to leave. And so I got up at like two o'clock in the morning and just drove home. I'm like, I'm, I'm running away from whatever this is. But, but it didn't work. It came with me. And I get to my house and I did what any uh, spiritual person would do is I turned the TV on and started watching a show because I was hoping maybe I could just <laughs> distract myself away from this presence and it didn't work. And it was like, what is going on? I've never experienced anything like this. And I remembered hearing that the word of God had power, that the name of Jesus had power. And so I didn't know what I was doing, but I opened up my Bible and I just began to read and read and read it out loud and, and declare what, 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 what I was reading. And I came to Second Timothy 3 and verse 16. And it says, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I was like, God, I don't know what all this means, but I need the rebuking part right now. And so I rebuke the enemy from this place in Jesus name. And I'm telling you guys, it was gone. I've never experienced it again, that, that, that force. And so what I couldn't deal with by my own will, by leaving, by distracting God's word was able to move something in my life that couldn't be moved. Otherwise, it's powerful. Don't underestimate the power of God's word. Don't underestimate it. The, the second thought that I would say is don't underestimate its benefits. Don't underestimate its benefits. How many of you love a good benefit package at work? Come on. I love a good benefit package. You know, I haven't interviewed for a job in a while, but if I did, I'd want to know the, the salary, but I want to know the benefits. Talk to me about paid time off. You know what I'm saying? Talk to me about some good insurance like that's going to help my family. Hey, I want to know about a gym membership. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's valuable, especially this time of year. I love a good benefits package. Well, did you know that not only is this powerful living active, but there are some just practical benefits that come with the Word of God. And I want to just show you three of them really quickly. Uh, the first one is that it's a benefit package. It's, it's a light that will guide me. It's a light that will guide me. Psalms 101 103, we're going to sing about this at the end of our our time together. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Have you ever tried to drive your car at night without the headlights on? Listen, I don't want to be on the road with somebody without headlights, and I certainly don't want to be operating that vehicle because a light can help you not to show the whole path, right? But to give you your next turn to show you any potential dangers that are on the road. I've got a flashlight here, and you know, the flashlight, I can I can shine it in your eyes right now, and it's not going to do any good because it's light up here on the stage. But man, you turn the lights off, and this thing becomes a lifeline. It's it's lights up the next step, and that's what the Bible says, that God's word can be for us. And I can't tell you how many times that I've woken up And I've gotten in God's word, and God has illuminated something that I didn't know that I needed the light for that that showed up later in that day. His word is a light. Where do you need direction in your life today? Is there an area that you've been kind of seeking direction? What should I do next? Where should I go? Maybe a job that you're trying to take. God's word is a light. Are you utilizing that benefit? I love Psalm 101, you know, one of the ways that God's word lights up our path is in the area of like, what is best for us? What is right for us? What is the pure path for us? And it says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love the way he says, I've hidden God's word in my heart. That's just another way of saying, like, I've memorized God's word. I've allowed God's word to be such an integrated part of my life. And, 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 and because of that, it helps guide his path to purity. And I was, I was thinking about that and how like a flashlight is good when you're in the dark and you need to go somewhere. But I started a, a diet program again this year. I had done it last year. Um, I lost 40 pounds last year on this program. I ended up finding 20 to 25 of those pounds by the end of the year last year. And so I'm back in. And one of the things that we're doing is we're drinking a gallon of water every night, which means for me that I have lots of opportunities to get up in the middle of the night uh, to, to find my way to the bathroom. And What's interesting for me is that when I have to get up at the night I don't have to turn the lights on to get to the bathroom. I have memorized that path, right? It's just like it's a thing. I go and I do it. I don't have to think about it unless Lisa leaves some of her stuff on the floor which she does sometimes and then I you know, she, she would say it's me that leaves stuff on the floor but but it's just a it's it's a path that's memorized. And that's the power that happens when we memorize God's word, that there are certain things that I have just internalized, I've memorized, and they light up my path. They help me. One happened just a couple of days ago. On Friday morning, uh, Lisa and I were home. She had been at a retreat all week, and and we were entering into what we refer to as intense fellowship in our home, uh, which means we were getting ready to have a fight. Uh, I had done something. I had said something or not said something. And uh, this is true, is it not, Lisa? She can nod. And um. And things were beginning to escalate. And there's a verse that I memorized probably about 13 years ago, because Miles was about two years old, and we were teaching him to memorize scripture. It's Proverbs 15, verse 1. And it simply says, uh, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I've got that memorized. I know it. And so anytime I begin to feel conflict or I enter into a, a situation, whether it's at work or in this case, Friday morning, I think to myself, what do I want to accomplish in the next few minutes? Do I want to stir up anger and escalate this thing? Or do I want to turn away wrath? Do I want to? And so I, there were two options for me that morning. Uh, one of them, which was my internal gut reaction, which was, uh, Obviously, I did something. What, what, what did I do to you now? You're mad. Tell me. Let's go. Let's, let's fight. Thank God I didn't do that Amen. because I thought about this internal light that God has given me that I don't have to wonder what is the right thing to do in this situation because God's word has been clear about it. And I just simply said, because she, she had shared that she was upset. She didn't want to talk about it. I was like, babe, I know that you're upset. I think I think we should talk about it because you're not good at faking things. And um, but but can, can we just if you're ready, I'd love for us to talk about it. I said it better than that. But um, and I remember so that night on date night, we had this conversation. It was good. I had done some things that I needed to own and, and repent of and and work through. But that night at dinner, she looked at me and she said, hey, can I just say to you, thank you for being gentle with me today? And it was like, oh, thank you. No, thank God. <laughs> (laughs) Thank his word, because it was a light to my path. So God's word is a light. Another benefit for us in God's word is that it's a sword that will protect me. God's word is a sword that will protect me. Look at this bad boy. I did find out two of our staff members have been injured by this sword. So I'm going to try to be careful with it. (laughs) But God's word is a sword. And Lynn Stroy did a talk this week at at our staff prayer. We're getting up early in the morning and praying uh, for, for the next, we're doing it for one more week this week. And she talked about the fact that if she were to be thrown into a fight in the first century where they were used to using swords and someone handed her a sword and said, let's go, like she would stand no chance. And that's true, right? I have a better chance of hurting myself with this sword than anybody else, because I don't know how to use it. Uh, I've been trained on this. But but the Bible describes the Bible as a sword. And in, fact, in Ephesians 6, 17, it's the armor of God. It's a great passage of scripture that talks about how to Arm yourself from head to toe, but it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Y'all, there are some battles that you are facing or that you are getting ready to face that you have no business walking into without the sword of the spirit. God wants to empower you in those battles. God's word, if we'll memorize it, meditate on it, learn how to make it a practical part of our daily life, it can it can become a sword that that we can go on the offensive with when maybe the enemy's messing with your kids or they're getting involved in some things, and it's like, no, I'm I'm going after, or it can be defensive. I think about Jesus. You know, he was in a, a season of fasting and praying too. His was 40 days. Uh, So some of us are tempted to complain about a 21 day fast. Uh, He did it for 40 days. By the way, we're we got one more week left. If you're new to Seacoast, we take the beginning of every year and just 21 days to say, I want to pray and I want to fast. I want to believe God for more. Jump in for seven days with us. Uh, You don't have to do the whole 21 days. Jump in for this next week. Jesus was doing that, and the enemy started attacking him. The first way the enemy did it is the way that he's been attacking me, too, as he basically tried to get him to break the fast. He's like, hey, Jesus, you're, you're God, right? Turn that stone into bread. And you know what Jesus did? He pulled out a sword. He said, it is written that man does not live on bread alone. And he battled the enemy with that. The enemy comes back and says, hey, why don't you jump off the, this, this building and, and watch God send his angels to protect you? And the enemy even used the sword. He said, the Bible says, you know, that that God will send his angels to charge protection. But Jesus, you know what? It's also written. He knew it, and he battled. And then one more time, he said, hey, I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus grabs the sword, says, it is written. This this word of God is a sword that can help you face the battles that you're going to face. I'm thinking about Joel Christie sitting here on the front row, and I know Joel would never show up to a gunfight with a pocket knife. I know that about it, because it's just not smart. And some of us have been grinding through life with a pocket knife and just taking the attacks and the assaults of the enemy. And God has given you something of great value that you can battle with, that you can fight off the attacks of the enemy. It's a sword that will protect us. It's a light that will guide us. One more benefit that I'll show you. There are so many I could have done. Uh, it's food for us. It's all of this. But the last one I'm going to talk about today is it's a mirror. God's word is a mirror that we can look into. Any of y'all looked into a mirror lately? Some of y'all didn't today, and I just, I don't, you know, don't, don't elbow each other, right? Now, we we look into a mirror quite often, and, and the reality is when I look into a mirror, This thing doesn't lie. I mean, this thing, like I wore a jean. This was risky for me today. I don't normally wear jean jackets. And it's like the the mirror is going to kind of tell me whether that was a good choice or a bad choice. We'll find out at some point. But when you look in the mirror, you're going to get an accurate picture of where you are. You've been eating good for the last six months. The mirror is going to show you that. You hadn't been eating good. The mirror is also going to show you that. And, and I was thinking about this. My son, Miles, uh, he's 15. He's been working out a lot lately, probably the last six months. He's been hitting the gym hard. He's been thinking about what he's eaten, and it's produced some pretty good fruits some pretty good results. And so Miles has a hard time. If he walks past a mirror, he has to stop. So now, lost a little bit. <laughs> And I don't blame him, right? Because it's working, right? He's in, but but me, I already shared. I hadn't been doing it. I hadn't been I hadn't been doing the things. Miles is so glad I brought him up here on the front row. Um, so when I walk past a mirror, I don't want, I don't want to stop. Like I'm going to keep on going. I'm certainly not going to stay sideways. Right? Because it's just going to tell you the truth. Like it's just going to tell you the truth. Uh, you hadn't been sleeping much at night. That mirror is going to show it right underneath the eyes. James 1.23 says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and, and forgets after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like, saying the, the mirror is going to tell you how you're doing physically, but the Bible will, will reflect back to you how you're doing really spiritually how you're doing in life. It's a reflection. And I don't always like what I see in the reflection. But if I'll keep on going back to God's word, and if I'll choose to put myself under the authority of the word of God, which is a huge part of it, most of us read it. And it's like, well, if there's a discrepancy, you know, that was back then. This is now. No, this is living and active today. And I'll humble myself. There's a King Josiah that I don't have time to tell you all about, but he led in a time where they didn't have access to the word of God, and they were doing some renovations in the temple, and they found some of the the word of God, and they showed it to him, and he realized, oh, wow, I have not been leading according to these principles, and instead of saying, well, I'm the king. I can do it how I want to. he, He tore his clothes. He repented. He asked God to. To, to forgive him for the way he had led. Anytime we see a reflection that, that isn't in line with how we've been living our life, our job is to be the one to change, not to try to change this. And we live in a day and age today where I feel like there's an assault on the word of God. Nobody wants you to believe that God's word is true. Well, you know what? That is such an old tactic. The same one that the enemy used against Eve in the garden. Did God really say that? He didn't really mean that, did he? And we hear so many voices in our culture saying, do you really think God means that? Did God really say, man, I I want to put this above me. I want to humble myself in light of what God's word says. And when I see a reflection that doesn't look great, I'm going to assume I'm the one with the problem. And I'm going to start to change some things and repent. And we'll have opportunities to do that today. Please don't leave it in the kitchen. You have something of great value that you have access to. Don't underestimate it. Let me help you be an appraiser. It is of great value. It has great benefits. But let me also give you some perspective. Don't take for granted the access that we have to God's word. Don't take for granted the access. We live in such an amazing time. Do you know that when they first got the word of God, the access was limited to, it was it was basically chiseled into a stone, right? Moses came off the mountain and he had to carve it. I don't know how long it takes to do that and their technology. And the only way that you could experience God's word was to, to come together and to have somebody explain it to you as it's chiseled into a stone. Very few of those laying around. Technology advanced and they discovered that if they would kill an animal and dry out its skin, that they could actually carve God's word onto an animal skin. That's a little easier, I would imagine, than a stone. So a little bit more access. A few more people could come around and understand it and see it. And then a a few hundred years later, papyrus is invented, this paper, right? And ink. And now all of a sudden, they can put God's word into scrolls so that there's not just God's word for, for a nation that's located one place, but now different communities could have it. And they could have these scrolls in their synagogues, and they could go to the synagogues and study the scrolls together. By the way, it's always better to read God's word with other people. That's one thing I think we miss about that, but that they would come together and discuss it and grow together. That's what our small groups do here at Seacoast. But, but they, had, they had the scrolls, Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, you know, 50, 60 years ago. We go in Israel to Qumran, and we get to see where that was. But some of those are still preserved today. And then, of course, in the 1400s, you guys all learned about the Gutenberg Press, game changer in terms of technology that would create access to God's word for so many more people. That's why I can have one of these. And I actually I have one of these in my, my office, and I have one of these at my house. And then and families could have God's word in their homes. And that was an absolute game changer in terms of access of God's word. But did you know that today we live in what I would argue is the most significant technological advancement that allows access to God's word in all of human history. And that is that not only can we have one of these physically, but we can access God's word on our phone every single day. My dad quoted somebody. I don't know who it was, but Steve Jobs said when he invented the iPhone and they were talking about putting cameras on it. And somebody asked him, well, what's the best camera? He said, the best camera is the one you have with you. Like, and it was game changing, right? But most of us don't carry a big camera around our neck anymore. When you go on vacation, you just have it, right? You take your pictures. What's the best Bible? A lot of pastors will get up and say, get you a physical one. And and I, I would love for you to do that. Some of you use that as a part of your regular rhythm, and you do great with that. But I don't really care how you access God's word. Just get God's word in your hands. And so in the one minute and 54 seconds I have left, I want to show you how this works for me. Uh, I've got God's word. This is the Bible app. If you have a phone uh, and go to your app store, you can just download the Bible app. It was one of the first 200 apps that, that Apple allowed on the iPhone, which is pretty amazing. Bobby Grunewald, uh, Craig Rochelle, Life Church, great friends. They came up with this app, and it's this Holy Bible. So I'll, you click the Holy Bible, and this is my Personal one right here. You'll notice a streak up top, 287 days in a row. Humble brag. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, that's 287 days of God's word being a light for me. God's word being a sword for me. God's word being a mirror sometimes to reflect back what I don't really love seeing, but I realize there's something going on. And so I try to do this. The first thing I do every day is grab my phone. That's, that's me and you. We all do that, right? The first thing you do, grab that phone. Most of us. Well, the first app that I open up every single day is the Bible app, and, and some days, if I'm in a real hurry, all I'll do is use the verse of the day. That's what's on the home screen here. Look at today's verse. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. I read that this morning. On my way into church today, I repeated that over and over. God, I give myself to you. I know you've entrusted me to preach today, but I want to give myself to you. I want you to speak through me. It's it's helped me. It's empowered me today. Then if you've got a little bit of time, you can click on the next little uh, deal here, which is the verse of the day story. Today, it's Amy Groeschel, Craig's wife, and she's just explaining what that verse means to her and maybe a little bit of background on that. And it's about a, a two to five minute video. Most of us have that kind of time that we could give to just start our day in the right place. And then if you want to keep going, there's a prayer thing that will go through with you that guides you in how to pray through God's scripture, about 10 minutes to do all of that every single day. And then for me, you'll notice kind of in the bottom middle, there's a plans section. And if you don't have this, if you open it up, there would be nothing there, but it's, it would show you. You can actually search up there in the upper right. And one of the things that I searched is Seacoast Church, um, which Let's see what, what there's all kinds of devotionals that we put together uh, from, from Seacoast that you can find short plans. One of them is, uh, is this building your life on the word plan, that top one. And that's just a seven day plan uh, that will help you. If you feel like I don't know where to start and God's word can be confusing and all of that stuff. That's a great one. I'm doing this Bible project. The Wisdom of Proverbs is a 31 day plan. I'm doing it with four people. My dad invited me into his group of doing it. There's four of us. And every day, it's 31 days, a proverb every day. It's got a devotional that will show you a little bit of you know, background and context on that proverb. It's amazing. I had a video this morning, which was really great, that explained the books of wisdom. And then it's got the verse today. Proverbs 15, went through it. By the way, I already knew I was going to use Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer to flex anger. Harsh words make tempers flare. That was there again this morning as a reminder. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I read it and it's like, oh, that's in my heart. Uh, What else you got for me today? And I just read God's word. I'm just looking for one thought. I'm not trying to be a theologian and understand it. I'm just looking for God. What's one thing that you want to say to me today? And then we'll go through on the next page and uh, have discussion every day. I'm not going to click through it because I haven't read those yet today. And somebody may have shared something they don't want all of you to know about in the discussion, but it's four of us. What would it look like for you to just grab a couple of friends and say, hey, you want to read through the Proverbs together? You want to go through a devotional plan? Do whatever it takes to get God's word in you. Don't leave it in the kitchen, friends. There's something of great value. And guess what? I just took away your excuse. None of us have one. You can't afford a Bible. That app is free. Uh, Yes, you can. If if you need a physical Bible, go talk to the bookstore. I'll, I'll buy you one. I don't care what it takes. I want you to know as your pastor, there's a lot of things you can do this year. A lot of goals that you can set, but if you'll find a way to make this a rhythm of every day to get the power of God, to get the light of God, to get the sword that you're going to need for the battles that you're going to face, to sometimes see a reflection that's going to help you grow or affirm that you're on the right path, then you're going to do pretty good this year. Have your best year spiritually, and I'll bet it will flow into all other areas of your life. Would you pray with me? As we close, God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you are the author of the word. Lord, there's no other book that we can just read and go directly to the author. But Lord, you are near. Lord, that you continue to speak to us today. So help us to know your love today. Lord, help us to get your word in us. We want to experience your word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Would you do that in Jesus name? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're going to respond to God today. And during response time, if you're new to Seacoast, and I know a lot of you are, uh, there's a lot of people coming to church, and I'm so proud of you for putting God first in your life. Maybe the most spiritual thing that you could do right now is pull out your phone. Download that app if you don't have it. There are a lot of other great Bible apps, by the way, and you don't have to use that one. That's just the one that I found to be the most useful. But I think about that verse in Timothy that I read when I was kind of dealing with that presence in my life. And it said God's word is useful for for correction, uh, for instruction, for rebuke. There are a lot of things that God's word can do. And I thought as we go into response time, maybe filter it through that. Some of us, maybe we need to just go to the cross And maybe there's just an area where God is instructing or correcting us, and the cross is just a place where we just repent. Why do we go to the cross every week? Because I know you guys, most of us need to repent every week for something we've done, right? Don't ever forget that God disciplines those who he loves. It's a gift to be corrected by God. So some of us just need to go to the cross. Just going to leave it there, whatever it is. Some of us will go to the candles, and maybe for you, you want to experience God's word as a light for you this year. You're just going to ask God, would you light up my path? Maybe you're going to pray for somebody else and just pray the light of Jesus be known and manifest in their life. Some of us are here today, and we really need to experience the power of God. We didn't come needing to just go through the motions of doing church. We need God to move in our life. Our prayer teams are going to be here today. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. You don't have to explain your whole life's circumstance, but they will speak and pray the powerful word of God over your life. And every weekend we see people healed of sickness. We see people healed of emotional stuff. We see relationships restored. The power of God is here today. It's alive and active. Some will come and receive communion. And when you receive communion, I want you to remember this. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was God. The word then became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus came as the the word of God became one of us and lived a sinless life and died on a cross so that we could be free, so that we could be whole, so that we wouldn't have to live in death. We could live in life. When you take communion, just thank the word for coming and doing what he did. And then one more thought for us as we go. Some of us are going to be a part not only of experiencing God's word for us, but we're going to create access for God's word for somebody else. We live in such a unique time and place right now in history. Bible theologians and people who do translation think that by the year 2033, the Bible will be translated into every language spoken on planet Earth. And when I heard that, I thought, I want Seacoast to be a part of that. And so we began to research, and we found that there's a language, Punjabi language. Uh, 48 million people speak this language, and it's never been translated. The Bible has never been translated into that, that, that language. Well, that's changing because of you, because of us. So we started to engage some partners to go, what would it look like to do it? It's going to cost us about a million dollars. And listen to me. There's a lot of places that I can think of that we could spend a million dollars There are buildings that need to be built. There are campuses that need to be expanded. There are people that need to be served. But I wonder if we're going to get back, look back from heaven one day and realize that this may be the most significant million dollars that we've ever spent in our church, because we created access for the word of God to a people group that have not ever heard it in their language before. And so it's going to be a million dollars. We've raised about 130,000 of that. We want to do it in about five years. But I sat with a guy last week, and he wrote a check for $50,000. And he said, I want you to challenge the church, make this a match. So as of right now, any dollar that you give will be worth two towards this because he's passionate. He wants to see God's word translated into this language. So if some of you may want to participate in that, you can text Bible plus any amount to 320, 320, and we'll be able to participate in not only receiving God's word, but being able to spread God's word. So what's God saying to you today? Let's respond to him together.